0: Standards. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D R H E D B E R G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Uh, this is Dr. Hedberg. Thanks for Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Functional Medicine Research. I'm Dr. Hedberg, and this episode is going to be about birth control pills and hypothyroidism. So we're going to get into some detailed research on this. One study that recently came out that really sparked my continued interest in this topic because there's so many women taking birth control pills, and uh, there's a few a few good studies that talk about how it can negatively affect thyroid function. And uh, the science behind that. So let's jump into just talking about oral contraceptives in general. Widely used. Uh, They're used for things like abnormal uterine bleeding, endometriosis, hormone, and menstrual irregularities. So about 6 million women in the U.S. take oral contraceptives. Quite a few. And they're actually the second most common form of contraception used by women. Uh, they are obviously uh, used in higher numbers in younger populations, and they decrease with age. So uh, the first thing I just want to mention is that regarding the research, so the British Medical Journal, they said that women, this was in 2021, the, with, women with a history of taking birth control pills, uh, for more than 10 years, they have a greater odds of developing hypothyroidism. And so this was a a pretty good study, retrospective cross-sectional study. And this came from the NHANES, the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. This was from 2007 to 2012. This is a large epidemiological survey, and so it's difficult to conclude a cause and effect with an epidemiological study. But it, it was a long time, five years, and there were 30,000 participants, uh, so quite a few. And they found that 16% of women identified as hypothyroid uh, were more frequently diagnosed with a history of taking oral contraceptives were identified as hypothyroid. So pretty pretty significant amount. Now, they define the the state of being hypothyroid as those taking levothyroxine, and that was regardless of TSH levels, or those with a TSH greater than 5.6, which is pretty high. There's going to be a window there of women between about a TSH of 2.5 and up who may be hypothyroid. So the TSH criteria is a little high with the study so that we may be able to conclude that there was a little bit of underreporting of hypothyroidism because of that. This is a struggle in interpreting research because the conventional view of TSH is much higher than, than uh, some women uh, feel better on meaning that you know if they're cutting this off at 5.6 there are some women who are just going to feel better with a lower uh, TSH than that and so they might actually be hypothyroid with say a TSH of 3 or 4 or 5 but the study had a few strengths obviously a large population size very strict criteria uh, but it is hard to differentiate So for example, the type of data, because they didn't really differentiate the types of oral contraceptives used or the chemical composition of the oral contraceptives used. So they could be uh, oral contraceptive with estrogen and progestin, or they can be an oral contraceptive with progestin alone. And that can really create some different outcomes because estrogen tends to be the major problem uh, with thyroid, not so much progesterone, if there's too much estrogen in the system. And then you also have to include a possible bias when we're talking about self-reported data. Uh, that's self-reported data has been shown to have significant flaws. And so that can skew the results as well. And so again, it's, it's, it's difficult to establish causation from epidemiological and uh, self-reported data. So let's talk about how oral contraceptives can negatively affect thyroid function. So if it does have estrogen in it, there's an estrogen effect and that can increase proteins. And these proteins are made in the liver and these proteins actually can be involved in atherosclerosis, hypertension, thrombosis. And so these proteins are thyroxin-binding globulin, and that means that this is a, a protein globulin that binds to thyroxin, and thyroxin is T4. And then you have sex hormone-binding globulin, which binds to sex hormones, and there, there are various coagulation factors as well. And so the researchers, Tory et al., in 2020, they reviewed the effects of oral contraceptives on liver function and thyroxin binding globulin and how this affected T4 and T3. And they found that increased estrogen results in a decrease thyroxin binding globulin clearance from the kidney and that led to an increased amount of thyroxin binding globulin available to bind to thyroid hormones. And so the increased thyroxin binding globulin resulted in increased binding of T4 and T3. And so that drove TSH levels up. So just a quick review, thyroid hormone synthesis, it's controlled by the hypothalamus and the anterior pituitary. The hypothalamus releases thyrotropin-releasing hormone, or TRH, and that signals the anterior pituitary to make TSH. And so an increase in TSH, this triggers production of T4 and smaller amounts of T3. Now 99.8% of T4 and T3 are bound to proteins in the blood. Now that's normal, that's a good thing because that's how they get transported to various tissues so that binding is necessary but if you increase those binding proteins you are going to have increased binding to the T4 and T3 that's available and that can make it unavailable to tissues so tory at all the the paper that i just mentioned they did conclude that an increase in estrogen production in the body and that could be through oral contraceptives or hormone replacement therapy it does increase thyroxin binding globulin and the thyroxin binding globulin levels increased due to an increase in natural estrogens or there was stimulation of, of natural estrogen uh, production there was a 30 to 50 percent increase in thyroxin binding concentrations a 20 to 35 percent, increase in T4 and so the thyroid does compensate the body will adapt when those binding proteins increase but there's still increased binding and so it is necessary to increase the dose of levothyroxine by about 45% to maintain normal TSH in those being treated for hypothyroidism and in pregnant women and that was the findings of the ToRI study. So, hormone levels increase, binding proteins increase, levothyroxine concentration required to maintain normal thyroid function increased. I'd like to take a quick moment to make you aware of some important resources that are available to you. The first is to make you aware that I not only see patients in my practice in Asheville, North Carolina but I also have a virtual practice where I consult with patients worldwide through telehealth. So it doesn't matter where you live in the world, we could consult through our telehealth software. The second resource is the resources page on my website where I list all of the supplements and products I use both personally and in my practice. This can be found at drhedberg.com forward slash resources. And the third resource is for healthcare practitioners who want to learn functional medicine or improve their functional medicine skills. I offer online functional medicine courses at the Hedberg Institute, which is my online functional medicine education platform. You can see all the courses I offer at HedbergInstitute.com and sign up to watch a sample course video at no charge. That's HedbergInstitute.com. And now back to the show. And now one of the important things that they note is that, but that was only noted in those who had an increase in, uh, excuse me, those who were taking oral estrogen. This did not happen in the transdermal applications. So only the oral and transdermal bypasses the liver. And that's most likely the reason why that happened. They also found that if you added progesterone to the oral contraceptives, it did not alter the change in thyroxin binding globulin and T4. Uh, progesterone, when used alone, though, acted in an opposite fashion. That actually in, that decreased TSH and increased T4. And this is something that, that we see regularly, progesterone-enhancing thyroid function. So progesterone-based oral contraceptives, they concluded, were found to be a safer choice for those with or at risk of developing hypothyroidism. Now, oral contraceptives have other issues. They can increase the risk of what's called a venous thromboembolism. This is a clot that's caused from combined oral contraceptives, estrogen and progesterone. So that's one other thing that can be a problem uh, with oral contraceptives as well. Most people know that and uh, using combined estrogen and progesterone, it was an even higher risk than estrogen alone related to the thromboembolism. But if the estrogen-based oral contraceptive was transdermal and it was estrogen and progesterone this was not linked to an increased risk of venous thromboembolism so the authors concluded that the transdermal applications it's a much safer choice for those at risk for a clotting event they also mentioned subclinical hypothyroidism and that's defined as a normal free t4 and an elevated TSH and that has also been associated with increased thrombotic events, also abnormal lipid profiles, so higher cholesterol, LDL, high blood pressure. Uh, So that's something else to be aware of. And so there's this increased risk of cardiovascular disease and venous thromboembolisms with hypothyroidism. You know, whether that's clinical or subclinical, it does necessitate the monitoring of thyroid status for those on oral contraceptives. And so the association demonstrated between oral contraceptives and the development of hypothyroidism, it does warrant the need for shorter-term administration of oral contraceptives, particularly in the majority of the population in which they are prescribed. And the use of transdermal hormones represents a viable alternative for those seeking long-term contraception so base the the basic science there is that if you take oral oral contraceptives uh, and you don't do hormones transdermally and that pill contains estrogen that can increase the binding proteins that bind to your thyroid hormone your t4 and t3 and it may increase the need for a higher uh, thyroid medication dose if you are taking that, at least to keep your TSH and your num- your numbers in normal range. Uh, so that's kind of the basics. Your body uh, does adapt to these changes in hormones and binding proteins. And so you will produce more hormone if those go, go up, but your body just... For a number of reasons may not be able to free those hormones for use by the cell if those binding proteins get elevated from the birth control pills so again difficult to establish exact causation here because it's an epidemiological and self-survey based study uh, but the other studies that i quoted here and i have all of these references. There's seven uh, papers here that that I discuss in the article, uh, talking about the effects of birth control pills on thyroid function, and uh, and then the study that that I just mentioned, that just came out on birth control pills. This was the Nains, uh study that I that I mentioned in the British Medical Journal just published this year in 2021. And so something to be aware of. So if you are taking birth control pills, this will throw off your TSH, T4 and T3 levels. You might have an increase in your symptoms of hypothyroidism, needing a higher dose of thyroid medication. And then also be aware of those risk factors that I mentioned, like the thromboembolism, cardiovascular disease, have your, markers of inflammation um, tested, and they do talk about that in the Torrey study. So the C-reactive protein is really important. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is oral contraceptives in general. They do create a lot of nutrient deficiencies, micronutrient deficiencies. A lot of vitamins and minerals are rinsed out of the body by oral contraceptives. And so you can go to a website called mitavin.com, M-Y-T-A-V-I-N.com, and just type in the birth control pill that you're taking. And uh, if the brand name doesn't come up, then look at the birth control pill and put in the actual content. Some of it will be ethanol, estradiol, for example. And, uh, and then there's different types of progestins. And so you can type in the chemical name, and Mitavin will tell you all of the micronutrients that is depleted by the birth control pill that you're taking. And so you'll want to make sure you're getting plenty of those in your diet and perhaps even supplementation, because a lot of those are really important. Some of them are things like B12, which is really important, and magnesium, to name two of the big ones, depleted by oral contraceptives. And some of those are going to be really important for thyroid function and, and general health in the rest of the body. So go to drhedberg.com and just search for birth control pills and thyroid. And uh, you'll see the, my article there and a breakdown of all the references. So definitely something to, to be aware of if you're on birth control pills and you have hypothyroidism or if you started on birth or if you developed hypothyroidism and you can, you can think of a correlation there with when you started birth control pills. And then when you have, when you developed hypothyroidism, that may have been the reason why, uh, because that would throw off your thyroid numbers. And so your doctor may have thought that you had hypothyroidism, uh, but those numbers were off because of the birth control pills. Or, for a number of genetic and and other health reasons, the birth control pills, your body might just not do well with them, and it increased the binding proteins enough to where it did actually cause hypothyroidism. So I hope that that was helpful. Uh, This is Dr. Hedberg. Take care, and I will talk to you soon. If you enjoy The Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com, that's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com, to access the show notes and resources for today's episode.